Into sports. 20 yards out. Urge to shoot. Don't shoot. Oh, what a goal from Fabinho. Wow. Then get into the all-new OTB Sports app. I think when he apologizes to me, I probably will say hello to him. Yeah, no. Videos, sports news, live scores, interviews. If Abregas is going to come up to me in the street and give me some of a mouth that he would have given me on a football pitch, what do we get a slap? Plus exclusive content on the OTB Podcast Network. The biggest names in sports, ready when you are. Search OTB Sports on your app store and download it now. The OTB Podcast Network. Brady and Belichick have been at the forefront of the credit in New England for the last 20 years. OTB's American Football Show, The Snap on OTB Sports Radio. And you're very welcome along to this week's edition of The Snap. It's Jerry Gilroy with you alongside Ronan Mullen and Kian Fahey. Gents, you're both very welcome. How are you? All's well, Jerry. All's well. A bit bleary-eyed after last night. Did you stay up to watch the game last night, Keen? Is that do you watch that game live or do you wake up in the morning and go, wow, let me get into this? No, I put them all live. So it was yeah, honestly like for a Browns Bengals game, it was really good. Like Joe Burrow was pretty good for a rookie. He was overcoming an offensive line that struggled. Baker Mayfield played one of the best games of his career, which isn't really saying much, but still he was effective and competent. And Nick Chubb was incredible. So it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of drama because they went back and forth for the first three quarters, and then the Steelers just are uh, sorry, the Browns just kind of ran away with it in the fourth. Okay, a reminder, the snap and all of our American football coverage on OTB is brought to you by the Erlingus College Football Classic. Like a load of fixtures, uh, the 2020 game was postponed amidst the global pandemic. 2021 now becomes the focus. Everybody's very hopeful that we will get to see Illinois against Nebraska and they can go ahead at the Aviva Stadium next summer slash autumn, depending on what you think of August slash uh, early September. At the latest, uh, all the latest up-to-date information about the game and tickets is available at collegefootballireland.com. Let's run you through last week's results here so we can take a quick look and uh, see one of the wildest opening weekends, the most touchdowns scored, the most uh, fourth quarter leads overturned, I think, in two decades or something ridiculous like that. So uh, the Chiefs, as we know, beat the Texans 34-20 in the opening night. After that, the Bills hammered the Jets 27-17, although it's only a 10-point win on the scoreboard. The Green Bay Packers annihilated the Vikings, but again, some garbage time from the Vikings put a bit of a gloss on that score, 43-34. Washington, one of the sensations of the opening week with their uh, defense and their come-from-behind victory against the Philadelphia Eagles, who disappointed with a 27-17 defeat. Uh, The Cleveland Browns were rubbish last week, but as we've just heard, have uh, already undone some of the damage from being... um, surgically taken apart by the Baltimore Ravens. The Jacksonville Jaguars, one of the biggest stories of the opening weekend, beating the Indianapolis Colts 27-20. The Panthers, not as bad as we all thought they were going to be, uh, just 34-30 defeated to the Las Vegas Raiders, and we will get used to saying that at some point there. The new stadium opens uh, on Monday night this week. And the Bears, Mitchell Trubisky rescuing his entire career for at least another week. 27-23, the Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia now... 0-5 against Mitchell Trubisky in his coaching career, which is a phenomenal stat. Russell Wilson is the best player in football, according to Bill Belichick, as he said after last week's 38-25 win against the Atlanta Falcons. The Patriots, 21-11 victors over the Dolphins. The Chargers beat the Bengals, 16-13. The Cardinals beat the San Francisco 49ers, 24-20, and uh, might have the uh, next feed-on at QB for them. He's, he's a little bit titchy, but he's also brilliant. And uh, the Bucks were beaten uh, 34-23. A lot of disappointment for the Tom Brady fans out there. The Rams beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys gone a Cowboy, 2017. And the Steelers 
Big Ben back and fully fit, beating the New York Giants 26-16. While the Tennessee Titans, they're going to beat you with their run game, and they don't care what you think about them. 16-14 winners against the uh, Denver Broncos. Uh, so lots to get our uh, teeth stuck into from last week and plenty to get our teeth stuck into for this week as well. But we, we're bringing back the pick six routed by popular decree. These so- puns definitely all make sense. It's a pick six on OTB Sports. Yeah, it's back, Jer. I know it was a lot of people's principal concern when the season looked to be in jeopardy that, will we get the pick six again? But, you know, it's back. And as you said, uh, I had a bit of trouble picking out six talking points because there was actually a lot going on. So uh, we're going to start with number one. It was big, borrow or steal, which uh, somewhat helped her skelter start for the also-rounds in the AFC North. Keen touched on last night's game where Joe Burrow, I think, the verdict is in and he's pretty solid as a starter so far, but he is 0-2 for the Bengals. The Browns are 1-1, one one, kind of got the show back on the road last night after the Ravens wiped the floor with them last week. And the Steelers, who almost made the playoffs last year with no offense, now have an offense again, eh, thanks in large part to the fact that they have a competent quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, who of the old-timers, I would say, probably still has the best arm, just judging off week one. You can get your thoughts on that now, but uh, just number one in the pick six is the AFC North. Can any of these teams actually put it up to the the runaway Ravens? Maybe the Steelers, Kim? Maybe the Steelers' defense. I don't think the Steelers' offense. Like, the Steelers haven't played on Monday night and they played against the Giants and they overwhelmed them. And a big part of it was Jason Garrett does not know how to call plays, especially not when he's got one of the worst offensive lines in the league. So Daniel Jones played relatively well but couldn't really do anything. The Steelers' defensive linemen just overwhelmed. Offensively, they weren't great. James Conner got hurt as well, which is another big big issue. Benny Snell played well, but he's not a spectacular running back. And you've got an older quarterback. You've got really one really good receiver. Chase Claypool made an outstanding catch down the right sideline. But it was a pass that Roethlisberger just kind of threw up there and just heaved up there. His arm didn't look back to where it was. I, I think the problem with having a, divi- uh, a team contend in that division is when we saw the Ravens in week one, they were just ridiculously good. They completely destroyed the Browns without any effort. The Browns were rubbish, though. So we do, before we all get completely carried away, and I know it's not like this is the first time we've ever seen Lamar Jackson win the game in the first 22 minutes or... 17 minutes because the game was over by that stage when he'd already I think thrown two if not three touchdowns um, I, I understand that the body of work is great and he is absolutely sensational but the Browns last week were a joke I think my reason for excitement there my reason for discounting that a little bit is Marquis Brown was outstanding in week one um, he was a big key for them this year and if you look at Denzel Ward last night Denzel Ward last night went against AJ Green 17 times and gave up two receptions so, like, if you have Denzel Ward, who was an outstanding cornerback, shutting down A.J. Green, admittedly, Green had a couple of drops and he was not the same guy he's been in the past because he's coming off of injury and he's older, but he's still a really tough cover. So if you have Marquise Brown, who basically lit Denzel Ward up last week, in this new offense, the running game is still working, where J.K. Dobbins came in and gave a new uh, a new direction, a dimension to the running game because you've got that speed now that wasn't there before. Gus Edwards, unfortunately for him, has gone from first-choice running back to second-choice running back to third-choice running back in consecutive seasons, and it's kind of a sign of how this offense is just getting better and better. And somehow we started talking about the AFC North with three other teams. I'm just talking about the Ravens over and over again. No, you're right, though. That, that is the point, isn't it? That ultimately nobody is going to uh, stand in the way. What's, what's uh, number two in the pick six this week? Number two is my old Brady, Jer. So 43-year-old Tom Brady beaten by the sprightly 41-year-old Drew Brees and the Saints throwing his third pick six in 
three games, which uh, doesn't bode overly well. Is Brady just showing his age, or was it just a bit of rust getting into a new relationship? Well, that pick six was definitely his age because it was an outside pass where the ball floated and held on the inside, so the defensive back just break it and run straight back to the end zone. The other interception, there's some debate about this. Bruce Aarons came out afterwards and said it was Brady's fault, and then he came out later and said, actually, I looked at it again, it was Evans' fault. I, it's a difficult one. There's a, there's a miscommunication where Evans is running down the seam and Brady pushes the ball between a linebacker and a safety and it goes to the safety because Evans stops his route. But overall, it's... Like, I don't think Brady was necessarily bad, but it's the problem with having a quarterback his age. He has no margin for error. The offensive line isn't good. Arians came out this week as well and said, which I found very interesting, that Brady was really, really good in practice and he did everything perfectly in practice and then didn't translate it to the game. But I'm kind of sat there going, that's what you expect from a 40-plus-year-old quarterback. He can do it in practice. He can do it in, when he's not going to get hit, when there's not pressure on him. And then when you come to the actual games, the margin for error comes a little bit tighter. So I'm surprised that Arians didn't really see that coming. And it was interesting as well. We talked about it last week, which was going to win out in terms of the, the style of the offense. There's still a lot of Bruce Arians elements there. I think they're going to gradually go away from that because the offensive line isn't working the way they want it to. Yeah, I I don't know what you think, Jerry. I wouldn't read too much into it just given that's probably the toughest game on their schedule off the back of no preseason and against a pretty tough secondary. And like Mike Evans was, I think, all last week pretty doubtful to play. So that might have something to do with the lack of the, being on the same page or whatever. But I think what needs to be fixed and what probably can't be fixed overnight is the ill-discipline on this Bucks team. And this isn't the Tom Brady phenomenon. This was their problem last season. I know Jameis Winston took a lot of the flack, but they just give away needless penalties. I think Ndamukong Sue definitely did one on third down. And there was one on fourth down for the Saints as well, where the the Buccaneers jumped offside or into the neutral zone and that kind of uh, gave the Saints a new set of downs and that just doesn't happen Brady's probably looking at that thinking that's probably happened to me once or twice in 20 years in New England so I think if there's ever any frustration it's going to be with that rather than uh, the weapons because I think we even saw a little glimmer into the fact that he does have a lot at his disposal here and even the run game which faltered a little bit in week one you know I think there was enough signs there that they would be able to get it together Yeah I think there's no doubt that um, those different composite parts will come together but Kin, we're not yet any further down the line of understanding who is the philosophical mastermind behind the offense are we no we're not at all and like there's still very much a vertical element in the game i know mike evans had was it just one catch at the end and like all the talk was he's limited because of his injury and ronan's right he was limited because of his injury but he did even while being hurt he, he drew i think it was two vertical pass interference penalties which were big plays in the game so even though he didn't have the direct production, the, the impact was there. And what you saw on those plays was Brady understanding the leverage of his offense. Uh, Mike Evans is a one-on-one -on -one matchup. I'll lay the ball up in the air. I don't have to try and throw it to a specific spot. They don't have to try and make a perfect throw. I don't have to panic or anything like Jameis Winston would have done. He's just putting the ball up there and letting Mike Evans win. So that's a real positive sign moving forward. I think the... The idea that this is the toughest game of the season for them is true in the sense that they didn't have preparation. They're still figuring out who they are. But I don't think the Saints were spectacularly good either. I thought this was a combination of two teams with geriatric-looking quarterbacks, to be honest. Quarterbacks who were struggling on both sides and were talented teams, but not teams that were ex outstanding or overwhelming. And now Michael Thomas being hurt. Like, he's talking about playing on, on this weekend, but, or this on Monday, I think they're playing. 
but he's playing through a high ankle sprain. That's not going to be the same thing as they expect from before. So having Emmanuel Sanders now turns into a huge deal. And having Alvin Kamara, who looked very good in week one back, fully healthy, is also a huge detail now. Don't these clowns play fantasy? Don't they know that <laughs> you cannot play through a high ankle sprain? Every fantasy owner in history knows that every time you pick somebody who has a high ankle sprain, they get like two catches for 27 yards when actually they're supposed to get 10 catches and four touchdowns. Don't play them. Let them get through it. Because like, if, you're gonna have an, if, if they're going to win the Super Bowl... He needs to be fit at the end of December and for all of January and for the start of February. But playing through this high ankle sprain, you never you never come out the other side of it well. That needs to be rested. Like, Jar, I'm, Jar, are you, I'm are not you a really doctor. going to talk about fantasy this week? I'm not a doctor. We'll get to that later. Don't worry, don't worry. Uh, number three, on our, okay, there it is there. This is the double scores. Uh, I'm the Marino Jimmy Gigi. You're the uh, Cork Badmirals. It's actually more than double scores. 152 would have been double scores so uh, I have no I have no defence I have literally no defence Will Fuller you left off the bench that killed you and well I mean the 20 points wouldn't have been enough to uh, to overcome it turns out uh, playing fantasy against somebody whose job is to um, uh, cover the NFL is a you know it's an uneven I thing mean, here I, I had a similar score with one of my readers and it was inverted though so I can't really say much I got beaten badly it's kind of you to uh, draw attention to that even though we didn't know but if anybody has any fantasy questions for us then uh, get in touch um, just uh, leave us a, a comment on the stream or indeed you can tweet us at off the ball uh, much ado about Newton is number three yeah just before we get to number three I should point out that I uh, told people to draft Scotty Miller in their draft uh, and he was I think it's pretty clear after week one that Tom Brady's going to be throwing the ball to him a lot and then on geriatric receivers as Keen mentioned we Mightn't be able to shoehorn Philip Rivers into this pick six, but have to give some love to Gardner Minshew, who, like, his team is trying to lose and they still managed to beat the Colts, who are heavily fancied. So, mention for those two guys before we move on to number three. Much ado about Newton, Jerry. Yeah, that's uh, Cam Newton, obviously, who won rave reviews after his debut in New England. I found this game a little bit boring, personally. I don't know what, you, what everybody else thought, but, uh, you know, a win is a win, and he was certainly impressive, whatever, but the, the broader scheme of things for Patriots and Dolphins fans. But Newton was very good, but what do we make of uh, New England on the whole? Ken? Yeah, I thought Newton was very good, and I actually agree with you, it was a bit of a boring game. And the reason it was a boring game, like in part, was in Keel Harry fumbling the ball through the end zone, which changed the dynamics of the score, which kept the game tighter than it really was. And then you had the safety as well. Uh, so, but the, the, whole, the whole part of that game, to me, that was interesting, even though the actual game wasn't exciting, was the way in which they used Cam. And this is always going to be where we went because of how good Josh McDaniels is at designing plays. In Carolina, Cam had a lot of difficult throws built into his offense where he had to throw the ball outside the numbers and push the ball past man coverage defenders before the sideline came. So what that meant was he had to throw really high velocity passes and he had to control them, which is a very difficult thing. In New England, they've built this running game. They have very diverse running play calls, a lot of motion before the snap, a lot of different direction or misdirection plays, a lot of like uh, pulling defenders in one direction and moving the other, trapping line with, with your offensive lineman. And all of the passing concepts are built off of that. So they're throwing the ball, and it's very similar. Jar, as a 49ers fan, you'll recognize a lot of this where you pull the linebackers forward, the safeties are still deep, and that's the area of the field you throw into. And that's pretty much all Newton did. He was very accurate in the game, but he had very few difficult throws because they focused their offense on the center of the field. They kept between the numbers. They kept shorter intermediate. There were still deeper, deeper shots, but they weren't vertical shots. So he wasn't trying to throw the ball over safeties 40 yards downfield the way he'd have in Carolina. So we still aren't 100% sure where his arm is at. I think it's 
we, we have the answer now that he's back enough for the Patriots to be a contender. He's back enough for that offense to function with that quality of defense there, setting them up for to win low-scoring games. But we don't know if he's back enough to be the superstar quarterback because we don't know if his arm is fully there. If it is, they'll open the offense up even more. The only problem then is they don't really have receivers. I don't think Keel Harry was very good outside of that fumble. I think he's going to have a really good year. Julian Edelman looks fully healthy as well compared to what he was last year. And the offensive line was effective. I think the Patriots are in a really, really good spot. I mean, he, he, the shoulder needs to be good for them to become an exciting, high-octane team to watch. Otherwise, Belichick is going to be very happy for that team to win tight games, knowing that his defense is still good enough, even with uh, all of the people who've, who've cried off the year because of the COVID. Um, like, this is the ultimate zigging while the rest of the NFL is zagging. Well, the rest of the NFL is like, oh, let's, let's have 61 pass attempts like the Bengals last night. Let's score loads of points like the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's have the most exciting QB of all time like the Ravens. Even though they could have that, New England are still like, nah, we're just going to bore the pants off you here. One of the key details is that in Carolina over the over the years, uh, last few years there playing for the Panthers, he stopped having designed runs as often. But even before that, when he did have designed runs, it was a lot of power designs. And what that means is you're under center or you're in a in pistol and you've got a tight end and a guard pulling in front of you. So you've got all your big bodies on the field. And when you've got your big bodies on the field, the defense is their big bodies in the field too. So it's tougher for Cam. He's running into big walls of players and, he, and it's tougher for them to move the ball. In New England, they were spreading the field. They were using motion. They would often just take James White in the backfield Sonny Michel or Rex Burkhead, whoever it was, have him motion out wide. If the linebacker followed him, Cam would just wait, let the pass rush come, and then run forward for 10 uncontested yards. Yeah. And then if that didn't happen and he moved out, they knew it was zone, so it was easier for Cam to figure out where to throw the ball. It's it's a completely different situation for Cam now. And the, re- the realization, it's just another thing that we already knew, though, the en- how much of an emphasis it is, and something Ronan already said, the Patriots will set you up better than anyone else for success. And Cam's benefiting from it. And Brady struggled from it in week one. Okay, number four, House of Cards. Oh yeah, Keane's division pick, Arizona Cardinals, humbled the Super Bowl runners-up last weekend, Jer. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins looking like love at first sight. Then the pass-happy Seahawks also caught the eye, as did the Rams, who sort of eked out uh, win over the Dallas Cowboys, who a lot of people were picking to win the Super Bowl, not least make the Super Bowl. So was last week or week one an indication that this is the strongest division in football, Jer, or what do you reckon? Yeah, I think I, I definitely think it is. I um, wasn't terribly surprised that the 49ers got beaten by the Cardinals, given that the Cardinals played the 49ers really strong previously in the, the last year and I wasn't quite convinced that the uh, 49ers are a better team than they were last year but I was absolutely convinced that the business Arizona did over the uh, um, offseason made them a, a far better team and also second year quarterback is going to be much better than a first year quarterback particularly one who shows talent and progress and the ability to learn stuff so um, always expected that to be a, a close game kind of the home advantage thing doesn't really matter slightly concerned as a 49ers fan about the bad habits of the quarterback um, slightly concerned about the fact that they have no receivers and so they didn't actually throw the ball to any receivers um, and you know you can definitely see that uh, lost this week against the Jets and everybody's like whoa Kyle Shanahan that uh, Super Bowl hangover is real and George Kittle's injured too so there's a lot of question marks there and 
like the Jets were the worst team in football last week. They were absolutely atrocious. So I don't think the 49ers will lose that. But I also came on here last year and told you there was no chance of them losing to the Falcons. And you said they would, and they did. So how much I'm able to predict these things is not necessarily a good barometer. The takeaway from that game for me, I thought it was very similar to the Super Bowl, where the 49ers really got to Murray and kind of punished him a little bit and contained him for the most part over three quarters. And Murray just stuck with it, and he kept going, and he eventually was able to create plays. He kind of realized in the second half, oh, I'm going to have to run, I'm going to have to scramble here because my offensive tackles basically don't exist against this defensive front. That defensive front is still terrifying without DeForest Buckner. So that's a major positive for the 49ers. My biggest concern for the Cardinals is, and it's not necessarily an unpredictable one again, where Isaiah Simmons, the rookie they, they took in the top 10 of the draft, who is meant to be an off-ball safety hybrid liner, linebacker cornerback, his specialty is supposed to be coverage. He... On his first snap, George Kittle ran ran an out route. He fell to the ground because Kittle was so good. He just bullied him, basically. And then a couple of plays later, Ryan Mostert caught a Texas out of the backfield for that long, massive touchdown. Two and things, then, two uh, things on that, right? So, sorry, that was a fully fit Kittle who has done that to, like, literally everybody. If you remember his play of the year last year where they're dragging out of his face mask and he still makes 10 yards. And Raheem Mostert ran the fastest that anybody's been clocked in the NFL in the last two seasons uh, in that play. So I, I, I saw a lot of people going, oh, this guy, that's is a bus pick I'm like hang on a second give give him time give him time I mean two touchdowns in your debut is still not good no matter the explanation of it I would say the you're, you're right about Kittle the most hurt one not necessarily because the problem on that play is Isaiah Simmons beat himself he didn't beat himself when Mostert was running away 50 yards downfield he beat himself when the cut was made where he came up far too quickly and yeah it's it's inexperience it's development it's something he needs to get better at but if the Cardinals are going to be a win now team they can't have a liability in their defense no matter where it is they don't have the quality of pass rush they don't have like the 49ers pass rush to overcome that so there are concerns that are positives for both of those teams I think both of them are in pretty good shape overall anyway I know your natural pessimism with the 49ers will shine true, Joe. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Are Arizona a win now team? I think that, you know, you would definitely... Well, they're not a, they're not a win now team that they need to win now, though. I think they can compete to win now. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that they would be pretty... They'd be delighted to be a team who are in playoff contention and yeah. slash playoffs this year because that but would be really quick progress. You look at the other two teams in the division and they are in win now mode, aren't they? So it is like yeah. r- ridiculously competitive. Like the Seahawks, I thought it was pretty noticeable and even non-Seahawks fans have this complaint that Russell Wilson is only seemingly allowed to pass when the team falls way behind, but yeah. that wasn't the case this time. I think he, from the first 13 snaps to 10 were passes. So it seems like a bit of a change in dynamic there and that can only be a good thing if he is indeed the best player in football, as Bill Belichick says. And then the Rams, who I don't know, subconsciously I'd sort of written off as a bit of a busted flush but then you look at their team it's actually pretty talented especially uh, Aaron Donald's the one man wrecking crew there and as we said the Cowboys were fancy going into LA again home advantage isn't what it used to be but still like to they, they were the ones that were being picked to win that game and, and the Rams managed to hold on and, and get the job done there so I think this is very appetising division and it could go any manner of ways and the, the Cardinals have really arrived again as a force all four teams could make the playoffs that's a possibility because there's an extra playoff place this year um, it would mean loads of other 
it means nobody else in any of the other divisions. There's no wild card in any of them. But um, sure, look. I think we should we should note that Rams game that the the play at the end of the game, the offensive pass interference on Michael Gallup against Jalen Ramsey. That that to me is an awful call, and that that largely changed the game. But there was also Mike McCarthy was brought in this year, and he was talking about who's going to go for it in fourth down and change up the the approach and be more aggressive. He went for it in fourth down in the fourth quarter, and the irony of this is he should not have gone for it. It was three points was there to tie the game, and it was a, a terrible decision. And hopefully for the for a cowboy's sake, that's not a decision he uses to not go for it anymore in fourth down because there are times when you should go. They just need to be smart about that. That was also a massive uh, part of week one. There are so many more teams going for it in fourth down now. That change has finally really kicked in. Yeah, the Niners managed to go for it a couple of times, and eh, not, they weren't they weren't really like committed it to have, it. It might have something to do with the fact that the kickers have been horrific. The, the amount of missed yeah. kicks in week one. I don't know if Kane has any. Uh, analytical read into it but it just seemed like uh, was it a freak week or has this been a trend that's been developing it feels like I have no idea but it feels like it's a trend over the last couple of seasons ever since the double doink wouldn't they be the easiest thing to have without a preseason like they can just go up and kick all day along anyway yeah and it's going to do a test for us and and prove that you shouldn't miss by uh, not missing (laughs) 50 times in a row when we when we're you know all allowed to go back out and hang around together uh Number five, NFC Least. Yes. NFC Least, yeah. Um, they who shall not be named, is that what we're calling them, are number one in that division. The Washington football team, I believe, is what we're calling them these days. But somehow, again, I don't think many people would have predicted that they would be the ones who want to know as everybody else faltered. But the Eagles, again, a bit injury-plagued, but again, like, blew a big lead in that game and, and are already off to a bad start. The Cowboys, we touched on there. Again, you know, I think they'll be able to turn it around, but you know, not a great start for them. And then the Giants, uh, I think Keen mentioned earlier in the show there that still a lot to be desired in terms of their what they're offering on offense. I think Saquon Barkley, I don't know if people are putting words in his mouth that he doesn't want to pass block and all this kind of stuff. So there might be a bit of acrimony already around the Giants, but are we still favoring the Cowboys to win this division or, or what's the shake up there? He certainly didn't pass block on Monday night anyway. He missed a key blitz pickup that led to a sack. Um, in, like The Washington-Philadelphia, the Eagles game, was kind of the, the fascinating one. And it's the best way for me to explain my general philosophy in football in that I have no idea what's happening. Because I came on here last week and said my upset pick was Washington and Washington were going to win. And I explained my reasons why. And then Washington won, but none of my reasons why applied. So like I, I didn't actually get this right. It just the result came my way. And it was a really funny game because Dwayne Haskins... So the Eagles go up 17-0 at the end of the second quarter. And Dwayne Haskins has been awful, absolutely awful. And they have this massive comeback and they win the game. And your assumption is, okay, they came back. That means the offense got better. They moved the ball. They played well. And they didn't. Haskins was terrible. He, he was he couldn't make throws. Like he made two or three throws in the whole game that were impressive. But the Eagles just self-destructed. They blew coverages on defense. Carson Wentz threw two of the worst interceptions you're going to see. And one of the weirdest parts of it is they were 17-0 up with one minute and 45 seconds left in the second quarter. They had no reason to come out throwing the ball, and yet they came out making this really aggressive pass where Wentz throws a corner out outside and the ball hangs up in the air and the defender jumps it and breaks it and catches it. And now Washington come down and score. 
off of a, 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 blown, a blown assignment in the secondary, and then they come out throwing again, and Wentz misses and misses and misses, and suddenly Washington are right back in this game after doing absolutely nothing. And then Wentz comes out in the third quarter, throws exactly the same interception on exactly the same route, just to a different cornerback. This time it's Jimmy Morrill instead of Fabian Moreau, and now Washington are scoring again. So it, it was the most bizarre game, because all the reasons the Eagles should have lost, they didn't lose because, and all the reasons Washington should have lost, they didn't lose because. So Washington came out with the win in the end. And it, but we have to mention Chase Young as a rookie starter, as a defensive end. That's one of the most impressive starts I've ever seen from a, from a defensive end. His two sacks weren't necessarily the reason, two strip sacks he got. But he, the run defense, the ability to stand up to Jason Peters, it was incredible. He's going to be an outstanding football player. There is reason to believe that with the good quality coach and some of the young first round draft picks that they've had over the last years finally getting good quality coaching, that the leap that Washington makes could be sustainable. That what we saw, assuming there's mediocre to middle of the road play from the quarterback, game management ability, that actually they are a team who could be in, in playoff contention. It's a very Ron Rivera team too. A lot of high first round picks on a defensive line, a lot of talent on a defensive line. And then at secondary, he's not going to overly stress. He's going to keep them back and rely on the pass rush. That's well designed. And then offensively, uh, it's Scott Turner, which is North Turner's son, is running that offense. It's a lot of misdirection. It's a lot of moving, uh, running outside and running uh, misdirection plays and trap plays. And it's perfect for a running back like Christian McCaffrey, who he had last year. He does not have a running back like that this year. And you can see why Adrian Peterson was released because he doesn't fit this offense offense at all but in terms of moving forward and building they're going to they're a team who I would suspect will draft a running back high next year and build that running game and be a defensive team what happens at quarterback isn't going to be as important for that style of team as it is for others in terms of this year I'll be surprised if Dwayne Haskins starts every game Alex Smith is healthy and on the roster but how much is he going to play we've no idea how much is he able to play we've no idea if he gets back mid-season I would see him starting and at that point then it becomes very interesting because if he's going to solidify the quarterback spot and just make it safe and make the easy throws and avoid big mistakes they suddenly become a very very difficult team to match up with they have two defensive lines there that can play Ryan Kerrigan played 21 snaps in this game Ryan Kerrigan has been one of the best pass rushers in the league for a long time so that's insane okay what about the Giants uh, Daniel Jones was good, but the offensive line there is horrendous. The play calling is a major problem because it's Jason Garrett coming over from Dallas, and that really showed up. So, Quan Barkley had 15 carries for minus three yards at one point. It's a ridiculous, ridiculous way to run your offense where the thing that's not working, you keep doing over and over again. So, I, defensively, they have some pieces, but not enough. They're not good enough to threaten the playoffs. Okay, but Dallas are going to recover from their opening night defeat. That was just a blip. Yeah, it's Dallas. They, I, I, the, the Cowboys are playing the Falcons this week, and these are the two teams where both of them look at each other and go, we should be a lot better than we are, shouldn't we? So one of them has to win. One of them will be getting back on track. I think the Cowboys are better than the Falcons. I think the Falcons are going to fall off, and the Cowboys will probably still win the NFC East. Okay. Uh, Tina Turner is going to tell us about uh, number six. What's love got to do? Got to do with it. There you go. Number six. Uh, what's love got to do with it, Jared? In, and that's in Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers seems to there seems to be a rocket under him. Uh, having a lot of people saying that draft of love in this year's draft had sort of torpedoed Green Bay's chances as a 13 and three team. Why are you not giving Rodgers any weapons? But the narrative, Jer, the narrative all week from the talking heads is that you know seeing this competition has sort of driven Rodgers on a little bit, and uh, he's he's got the the bit between his teeth again. I think it's a little bit overplayed to be honest against the Vikings. 
team with a brand new secondary and he did manage to slice them up a little bit and did what he normally does at home which is it uh, draws the defensive line of the other team offside with the, with his cadence which is obviously it's a brilliant thing to see whenever he does it but he normally saves that for home games the nature of things being with no crowds he's going to be able to do an awful lot more but they do look very good but the reality is he's kind of uh, chopping around with the same ingredients he's had for a long time and if they can stay healthy I think the Green Bay Packers will be a factor but I think we have to hold our breath a little bit on this uh, Aaron Rodgers for MVP talk I'm not sure and I think that that, uh, that kick up the ass is exactly what he needed and he's reworn Pick six has reached a, Luno, a new low. <laughs> I thought it was the worst one last year when, when we had Kyle Rudolph one for some reason and we thought it was uh, Tom Coughlin getting fired. Um, yeah, the, the Packers, like this game was outrageous because Aaron Rodgers basically came out and set the earth on fire. Like He had those gaudy numbers, but the trolls were even better than the numbers and four, his receivers dropped four passes. Like One of them was a 50-yard bomb to Mar- Marcus Valdez-Scantling. One of them was a Devontae Adams touchdown and another one was a Devontae Adams first down. And another one was a, uh, actually Marcus Valdez-Scantling first down on third down. So the, all the inefficiencies of the offense were still there and Rodgers was just completely on fire and destroyed the Vikings. It was one of the best performances he's had in his career, which is saying something because his career is littered with incredible performances. From the Vikings' point of view, major, major question. So they came into, and this is something Vikings fans are pretty vocal about leading up to the season. They came into this season as the favorites for that division. They were very slight favorites, but they were still the favorites. And they entered this game and their cornerbacks are a complete mess. They've changed up their cornerbacks all from last year to this year. Xavier Rhodes is in Indianapolis. Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes are in Cincinnati getting pulled apart last night. And the young cornerbacks they've got now were lost. They were taken advantage of over and over and over again. And on the defensive line, even they, after adding Yannick Ngakwe and with the Packers having a depleted de- offensive line, they couldn't get any pressure on Rodgers. So the Vikings have major, major red flags and the Packers look really good. So in that division, who else is there? The Lions, they're not going to compete. The Bears, is Mitchell Trubisky going to pull games out of his ass every week? Possibly, but I, I wouldn't bet on it. So the Packers are a runaway favorites in this division once again. And they're probably, like, once they're safe in the playoffs... They'll be overwhelmed by someone like the 49ers, most likely. But Aaron Rodgers is the great equalizer against everyone else, and he'll win games. He'll pull games out. Like at this point, if the Packers played the Buccaneers in the playoffs, I would definitely be picking the Packers. Isn't there a case so that the team gets better as the coaching from last season begins to kick in, and the coach begins to get a bit more experience? Like there's, there's, it's not guaranteed. But there is room for that coaching staff to begin to understand a lot more about what they're capable of, and and just to get experience. Yeah, speaking to that point, if you go to the first eight passes in the game, seven of them were either screens or thrown very short. And it was all misdirection and it was focused on the running backs and Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, who are the strengths of the offense, because Aaron Jones is an exceptional running back and Jamal Williams is a really good receiving back. Whereas last year, they struggled a little bit with that, where they would run the ball too much and they would try and force the ball off tackle or force the ball up the middle, whereas now they were naturally creating space. And they did that early in the game and then they adjusted, they flipped the switch and suddenly Rodgers was throwing bombs. And the the Vikings defense was going, we don't know where to be, we don't know what's going on. He's he's hitting us in all these different places and we don't know how to react. That's that's partly a reflection on the coaching staff having a year with this team and them getting better and Rodgers playing really well. And it's partly a reflection of Mike Zimmer not having time with any of his defenders so far because all of these defenders are new for Zimmer. So it was probably a perfect storm of, uh, of coaching issues in week one for these two teams. Uh- I don't, I don't think it's a next-gen stat, stat or anything like it, but the one that caught my eye in that game was time of possession. I think the Packers had it for 41 minutes like away, which is really, really good going. And if they can do that against most teams 
Rodgers, as flashy as he is, he's very efficient as well. And we spoke about turnovers from other quarterbacks that are spoken about in the same breath as Rodgers, and he just doesn't turn the ball over like that. And if they can keep that going throughout the season, they're a very dangerous team. If he can keep playing at that level, you know, they're, they're going to go a long way. My hope over the summer was that the divorce, because they, the way he was talking, that the divorce between him and the coaching staff and the row was going to become so serious that he would end up where he was supposed to be in the first place and back in San Francisco. I thought that maybe somehow, and it wasn't beyond, it's still not beyond the bounds possibility, but if he continues to play well like this, then they're going to make him see his contract. I saw John Lynch talking to the BBC about um, Brady. I don't know if you saw this, chair, and they asked him, was he in the market for for Tom Brady in the, when he was a free agent? And he said it would be crazy not to be looking at the best talents available. So that kind of, that's more than most GMs would be willing to give away. Most of them would say, oh, no, we're fully behind Jimmy G. He's our guy. But like, if they were having a sniff around Brady, they'd definitely be having a wee look at uh, Aaron Rodgers, I'm, I'm fairly certain. But... Yeah, it's, it's interesting times, I think, in the quarterback side of things. Yeah. Uh, question from Colin Tierney on YouTube. What does Kean think of the stat that Cam Newton was the first Patriots QB to score a rushing TD week one in 50 years, and then Tom Brady goes and scores a rushing TD for the Bucks? Uh, I think the younger members, including myself, because I'm a younger member, of the Patriots and NFL fan base don't realize that before Tom Brady, the Patriots were absolutely horrendous and have no actual history. So it's not really a surprise that uh, that, that happens. But no, Brady, like Brady's always been a great sneak quarterback. And that, that was something that stood out over the weekend. There were quite a few teams who got to one yard away and tried to throw the ball or tried to do, run something expansive or went into shotgun. And I don't know why he's the only quarterback like basically through contemporary history anyway who will just go under center and sneak the ball and everyone should be doing it I don't understand it it's one of the very frustrating things and one of the simple things that Belichick and Brady have done very well and deserve a lot of credit for but that Newton Newton touchdown run was also like a design rollout as far as I remember and he just sprinted in untouched and that's the kind of thing you can do with Cam Newton yeah I think um, we should stress that not all rushing TDs even though they all give you six points are created equal uh, either so let's run through the fixtures. Joe Burrow. Hey, Joe Burrow had a 24-yard touchdown. That was pretty good. That was pretty yeah. good, I that thought. Was, uh, that was a draw by design, too. 61 pass attempts last night for Joe Burrow. That's going to be an offense that's interesting to watch no matter what happens. Um, well, it's going to be painful for him. Let's, he got hit a lot. Uh, let's uh, take a look at this week's fixtures for you. So the Bengals and the Browns, we know the score from that one. The uh, Browns won that one last night. You said Baker Mayfield's best ever game. OBJ back as well. Their running backs, uh, very good. So one-two punch that is actually a proper one-two punch. So maybe the Browns are reborn. The Rams at the Eagles. That's a very interesting game all of a sudden because if the Eagles mm-hmm. go 0-2, and the Rams go 2-0, and then the Rams are going to feel very confident about themselves and crisis in Philadelphia. We know there's a fan base who are not patient. Carolina Panthers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, both winless. Denver at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, again, I think the Broncos supporters disappointed, obviously, to lose that game last week, but not without hope either. Detroit at Green Bay. There is a, a strong possibility that Detroit are winless after the first four weeks, and that's when their bye week kicks in. So we could be uh, seeing a change of coach at Detroit sooner rather than later. The Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings are at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, chance for Philip Rivers to rebound. The Baltimore Ravens at the Houston Texans. Um, and then it's New England Patriots at the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the Giants are playing at the Bears, the Falcons at the Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers at the New York Jets, Jacksonville are playing at Tennessee, 
Buffalo were pretty good last week, right? Are, are Buffalo a team that we should be talking a bit more about? They're at the Dolphins, the Vikings, the Colts, uh, Washington at Arizona. That's a game you should uh, definitely be watching. The pass rusher chase the speedy quarterback. And the Kansas City Chiefs, who you should watch every possible opportunity you get, are taking on the LA Chargers. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, worth the, are, they, are they a real team, Kim? Uh, we'll find out when their season starts next week because that Jets team was absolutely horrendous. They offered no resistance and, like, put it this way, Josh Allen had two fumbles and missed three wide-open touchdowns and they still won the game comfortably. Like, And Josh Allen still had a really good stat line. So you can't read anything into that. I think they're a really good defense and, off, and offense has improved. Allen was pretty accurate when he, when he was throwing underneath. Stefan Diggs looked really good. So the arrow's pointing up there. I'm just not sure how far up. Ronan, how did you get on their fantasy league? Well, as soon as Lamar Jackson was drafted ahead of me, Jer, I kind of I lost a little bit of love for the for the entire concept. But uh, I did I did okay. I didn't lose my game, but I'm pretty happy. I, I did lose my game, I should say. But I uh, I'm pretty happy with my team. I've got Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews in there. Mark Andrews, who although a tight end is actually a receiver, which is going to be borne out throughout his career, and he's probably if not Brown, he's Lamar Jackson's first choice target. So, uh, and Nick Chubb is on my team and he was finally given the ball back after they seemed to be reprimanding him last week for not getting the game going. They gave Kareem Hunt a bit more uh, productivity last week. But I think that in, in fairness to the Browns and with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, it's very reasonable to be focusing on a good one-two punch at running back. And Hunt and Chubb is about as good as it gets, really, in terms of elite uh, running back options. So for that reason, I think the Browns are worth keeping an eye on. And the Ravens on the road again this week, um, like Lamar Jackson has, has only ever lost on the road to Patrick Mahomes in his regular season career or in his NFL career full stop. Not bad. So Deshaun Watson is going to be wanting to set the record straight on that, I'm sure, this week, the second highest paid quarterback in the league. But the Texans, whatever about getting back to winning ways, I think they need to make a statement that they're not going to let this season pass them by. The Ravens are going to be favoured for Sunday, but you know it should be a very entertaining game. All right, good stuff, folks. Favourite by seven, too. Yeah, and I think that's about right, though. All right, thanks a million. That's this week's edition of The Snap. And a reminder, The Snap and all of our American football coverage is brought to you by the Erlingus College Football Classic. Uh, for all the latest and up-to-date information about the game and tickets, you can check out collegefootballireland.com. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the weekend. Good luck. OTB's American Football Show, The Snap. <laughs> OTB Podcast Network.